0: The Girl Camper Podcast is sponsored by Liberty Outdoors, innovative makers of high-quality, lightweight, towable trailers for every stage of the RVer's life. And Camco Manufacturing. For over 50 years, this company has been making products for outdoor enthusiasts. Whether you are RVing, boating, camping, towing, tailgating, or grilling, Camco Manufacturers has products to help you enjoy your time off. We are also sponsored by our consortium of girl camper-friendly RV dealerships, Bankston Motorhomes with five locations in Alabama and Tennessee, Setzer's World of Camping in Huntington, West Virginia, and Tom's Camperland with three locations in Phoenix, Arizona. Service, integrity, and committed staffers are some of the hallmarks of these reputable dealerships. To visit any of our sponsors, go to girlcamper.com and follow the links on our homepage. Hello, my name is Janine Pettit and I'm a girl camper. I go places and I do things in my Liberty Outdoors lightweight towable trailers. Along the way, I meet many interesting people traveling the back roads, and I want to share their stories with you. We will talk about the qualities of what makes a girl camper and how you can be a girl camper too. The girl campers are having a party, and you're invited. Stay tuned while I share what's happening on the back roads of America the Beautiful. Welcome, I'm Janine Pettit, Girl Camping Ambassador blogger, adventurist, and podcaster, and this is episode 146 of Girl Camper, the podcast. Today, we're continuing our series on the pros and cons of different RVs. Vans, travel trailers, toy haulers, and motorhomes, there's something for everyone out there, and I dedicated this year's podcast to making their attributes and drawbacks known. What's a plus for some could be a negative for others, and vice versa. Stay tuned for the pros and cons of the Class A motorhome, a surprising choice for some girl campers. For our news roundup, we have a message from Camco Manufacturing, makers of all the things you need for boating and RVing, cooking, grilling, and tailgating, as well as cleaning, maintaining, and operating your RV or boat. The Rhino Extreme is one of those great, fantastic, over the top, ever improving Camco products. It's the ultimate in sewer hoses, which is what you're going to want to have. I actually saw this being made when I was at the factory, which was pretty cool. I saw it coming right out of the machine and water being sprayed on it to cool it down. It was really neat. This is a new and improved model, and this has something that I think is really neat. The wires that hold this thing open are now external. They're heavily coated in plastic, but the external nature of this now creates basically a skeleton around your hose. Now, you may wonder why this is important because CAMCO has thought of all of these things. It's important because it basically creates a cage around that hose, and the hose is what's doing all the dirty work. This cage keeps this hose off the gravel, the dirt, and the sticks. If you ever drive away with it still connected, it's not gonna puncture or tear, and believe it or not, people have have done that. Look that up on YouTube where you see people heading down the highway, dragging their sewer hose because they forgot to disconnect it. Obviously didn't do the walk around. Anyway, I think this thing is so cool. It's compressible. So it's like a high tech slinky. So if you have a 15 foot hose and a 10 foot distance to your dump site at your campground, you can take this extra five feet and compress it down because you know, We want to keep it classy at the trailer park. It also compresses neatly for storage. You can run over and it won't split or break. It comes in 15 and 20 feet. And then it also has couplers to attach extensions, which come in 5 feet or 10 feet. So if you're super far away from your hookup, you can have that extension available. The elbow on this thing is also clear. So you can see when the dumping is done and the water runs clear telltale sign okay that's what we're all looking for it's the best sewer hose out there you can get that at the teardrop shop a favorite place to buy all your camco products it's also available at many fine retailers we're going to be back in a minute Up today, we have a winner in our Camp sponsored Halloween pumpkin carving contest. Say that three times fast Yvonne Artis or Artis A R T I S. Yvonne Artis. I like to say Artis, it sounds so much nicer, right? Uh, Yvonne is from Midlothian, Texas. I actually got to meet Yvonne. So it was kind of fun that the winner was someone I knew. Yvonne is from Midlothian, Texas. She came to the Wonderful Women of Waxahachie last year, where I do believe she also won a prize. She won the Cauldron um, Instant Coffee Maker and Reheatable Water Bottle. So that was a pretty nice prize, too. So, Yvonne, you're doing all right in this world. Here is what Yvonne won. She won a bunch of swag from Camco, including the Extreme Hose, the Extreme Rhino Hose and a bunch of other orange-themed things, but she also won the wine glasses with the detachable stem, which are kind of coveted right now because they sold so well that they're, they were out of stock for a long time, so you're guaranteed that, Yvonne, it's on its way to you. So I want to say, all of the entries were wonderful and fun, but honestly... Yvonne locked this down because she was an early entry that was her strategy for winning this contest because we put it out there and whoever got the most likes won so it just makes sense that the longer your picture is up there the better it's going to be so Yvonne posted hers first she got so many likes right off the bat and as the other ones came in they were beautiful too but Yvonne had the winning strategy. So remember that next time, folks. Next time we do a giveaway, vote early and often. Now, that's only for giveaways. When you're at the polls today, just vote once. (laughs) But please vote. Okay, the other news is I am home. I am home. I just returned from my last road trip, and I do not think I'm going to be suffering too badly from the winterization (laughs) blues. I have traveled 15,553 miles since March 30th, mostly towing my Mini Max, but the Max Max went to Colorado with me. It's absolutely just been a great season. I I was really just all over the place. I was in Texas, Alabama, and North Carolina in the spring. That was a five-week trip, which was my longest trip. Trip ever. That was the longest I was gone all by myself to date. So, five weeks was a long time. In June, I was on Fox and Friends with my little Mini Max in New York City. So, it was kind of fun taking the Max or the Mini right into downtown Manhattan. That was kind of fun. I spent most of the month of June boondocking in Colorado. That was in my max. I took that out there. I hit the upper PI in Michigan in July, camped on the Michigan side, but took a day trip over to the upper PI. I I spent some time in um, Maine in August. Now, I didn't tow my trailer, but I did drive all the way to Maine and back. I spent most of September in Ohio and Indiana And I just returned from a trip to Georgia and Alabama. So stick a fork in me. I am done. So many miles, so many memories, so many new and old friends. It was just a great, great 2018 season. I always have to stop and pause at the end of a camping season and just take stock of this whole year. When I think of all the opportunities having an RV gives me, I'm just solidified in my decision to live this lifestyle. Even if I could have flown to all of these places, which I couldn't have afforded to do, because when I'm in my RV with my daughter and my husband, that's three of us in one mode of transportation, which if I had to do three airline tickets for that, it would be a whole different deal. So it's costing the same whether I'm in my car alone, or my daughter and husband are with me. So Even if I could have flown to all of these places, I would have missed the journey aspect. I would have missed those back roads. I would have missed those visits with friends along the way. Thank you, Aunt Betty and Uncle Bob. It was great visiting you. Thank you, Michael and Carrie, for allowing me to camp in your beautiful backyard in Indiana and for making such a wonderful dinner and and camping in the backyard with me. Our friends Michael and Carrie put their camper in their backyard, even though their house was 200 yards away, and camped out in their backyard next to a beautiful pond with me. I would have hated missing that. I also would have hated missing that wonderful quality time that I had with my daughter on our mother and daughter road trip to Colorado. (laughs) We had a few mother-daughter moments, but 99% of it was absolutely wonderful. There's just so many memories in those moments that you spend getting where you're going. and I have to be honest here. Each year, it gets a little easier as my own experiences somehow layer, they get layered and they create um, a deeper confidence and a deeper boldness to go further and more out of my comfort zone. When I look back at my own RV journey, which is now, I think 14 years ago that I started this or maybe 12, yeah, 12, I guess, yeah, 2006, I bought my first trailer I have gone from that girl who spent two years only camping in pull-through sites at full-service gated campgrounds. That's all I would do. It had to be, you know, a gated campground with security. I had to get a pull-through site. I needed every single amenity there to the girl that went camping this summer and spent three weeks in Colorado at 11,000 feet with no hookups whatsoever, No Wi-Fi, no phone, no connectivity. I got to tell you, I look back on that and I love where I am now. I love that when I'm out there in the middle of nowhere, I'm not afraid. And and, and I think I got to this place slowly and one step at a time. So I want to encourage everybody to keep moving forward toward your dream, whatever that dream is. I want you to not compare it to other people. Don't copy someone else's journey. If minivan camping with the girlfriends is your goal, don't let someone else's vision cloud yours. Work out your own obstacles to your dream that will make you happy. I don't want anyone to look at Instagram and and other forms of social media and see that there is somebody full timing in their little tiny tab trailer and, you know, they're going all over these fabulous places and think that if you can't do that, then you're not really doing it. Because that's what's great about the RV industry, you can deep dive into it or you can take your little weekends away. But whatever your dream is, I want you to make it happen. So thank you so much for following along. Right now, I'm home. I'm going to take one really big nap, clean my house, and then I'm going to start trip planning for 2019. (laughs) I'm going to be back in a minute with the pros and cons of Class A Motorhomes. Before we head into our featured topic, we have a message from our friends at Bankston Motorhomes. Bankston Motorhomes has five locations in the southeast, three in Alabama and two in Tennessee. I just drove past three of them on my way back. They are a number one Best in Business Award winner. That is not an easy... Um, feet. The, those awards just don't go out to anybody. You have got a reputation for service that is backed up in order to get that award. They have been helping families make their RV travel dreams come true since the 1970s. It doesn't matter if you're looking for a motorhome, a fifth wheel, a travel trailer, Bankston has something for you. Bankston also, I have to say, carries so many of our favorite girl camper trailers. They've got the Mini and the Max. They've got the r They've got Intech. They've got Sonic Light. They've got that great Lance trailer, the 1575, which is one of my all-time favorites. Made the list of girl camper favorites last year from the RVIA show. Bankston is the go-to place for girl campers and for anyone looking to make their RV dream come true. To visit any one of Bankston's five locations, follow the link at girlcamper.com because all of my sponsors are at the bottom of the homepage. You just click on Bankston's and it'll take you right over. Or else you can go over to bankstonmotorhomes.com and you can virtual shop from there. Bankston has no S on the end. It's bankstonmotorhomes.com. Thank you, Bankston, for helping Girl Campers make their RV dreams come true. this with you today because this has been our goal for the year at the girl camper podcast we have been talking about the different types of rVs available out there so so far we have covered the toy hauler reimagined that was a lot of fun uh, that was episode 117 I have to admit I have a secret desire to someday do a toy hauler and just really personalize it for the way I travel and the way I live and, and I loved exploring that idea. We did the Class C motorhome in episode 121. We did the Class B motorhome in episode 129. And I had an interview with my friend Carol Steinberg, who did her own Mercedes Sprinter and designed it to her own standards. That was fun to just get a window into Carol's life. Episode 140 was the teardrop trailer explored. All the different ways that a teardrop has Um, so many options for people who don't want to tow something big. Now, we're going to the other end of the spectrum here, and we're talking about the Class A motorhome. So, up front, I want to say to you, this is not an exhaustive list of every conceivable detail of a Class A motorhome. That's a book to be written by somebody else. This is rather my own observations honed from touring hundreds of Class A's at RV shows and from speaking with owners and former owners of Class um, A RVs. So I always like to start in the plus column. You know, it's just my positive nature. So let's start at the beginning with all the positive things. All right. Number one, my top pick thing for the um, Class A motorhome is just the space that it gives you. Obviously, you're going to get a lot of space in this motorhome. They're really like tiny houses. They're tiny houses with a big open floor plan. Sometimes you get a slide out on both sides and they're absolutely gigantic. You get in them and you feel like that living space is so huge. One of the things I really like about Class A's is the way the whole front of that trailer is set up, or not a trailer, the whole front of the motorhome is set up. So in the motorhome world, when you look at RV shows and you're in a Class C, you will notice that when you're touring Class C's, in order to get into the cab, because it's built on a truck chassis, um, like a Ford chassis, um, you step down into it. So, you step up into the trailer, and then you got to step down and sit in the cab of the um, motorhome. When you're in a Class A motorhome, they are built on a bus chassis, so it's all one flat thing. The thing that is so nice about this is the way these front chairs operate. So, you've got that fantastic whole um, front area with these great RV driving chairs and they are like the super barco lounger of the RV world. These chairs are so comfortable when you're driving, but they're also part of the daily use of that camper. So once that motorhome is parked, these chairs spin around and they become two extra seats in your seating area. So These seating areas can be pretty spectacular. You've got a slide out, you've got a couch, you've got these two chairs that spin around, they recline so you can watch TV in them. So if you're one of these people at home with the Archie Bunker chair and you really are attached to your chair, this is a great feature. I love the way that it's all on one level and that it adds so much to the living space. So the space in these things is absolutely You could probably do better space-wise in a fifth wheel, but in the motorhome world, you're not going to get more space than you do in a Class A. Okay, I want to talk about number two, and that is the storage that a Class A gives you. Again, in the motorhome world, you're not going to get more storage than you will in a Class A. Let's just talk about the underground storage. So I think this is very funny that when you're at an RV show, they want to know if you'd like to see the garage or the basement. Some of these really, really high end, I mean, not in any of our price range, unless, unless you're, you know, won that big lottery last week. But for most of us, we're not going to be buying the million dollar one. In the regular consumer division for the working people in the world, there are really nice storage things, and they call those the basements underneath. But in the high-end market, they actually make these with drive-in garages for your tow vehicle, for the vehicle that you're going to drive around when you get there, or your golf cart. I mean, it's really crazy and beautiful. But let's just talk about the storage for regular consumers they call this the basement. And it really is a basement. It's just like a bus. If you've ever been in the bus depot in New York City or Boston, when I was in college, I always took the bus back and forth from Boston to New York. And all our luggage went underneath and these big doors open up. And I mean, there's just a gigantic amount of space under there. So it really allows you to be like a hobbyist on the road. If you were a person who did golf, you would have no trouble taking your golf clubs with you. If you were a hobbyist on the road, and let's just say you were a, I don't know, a wood carver, or you, you know, maybe you're one of those people who cuts up those giant logs and turns them into bears at campgrounds, whatever your skill set happens to be. You would have plenty of space in the garage or the underground um, basement to take anything you wanted. You could really fill these things up. Now, upstairs in a Class A... The cabinetry is unbelievable. The storage in these things is unbelievable. Now, one of our girl camper friends just bought one because she is a quilter and she's retired now and she wants to be on the road and she wanted to be able to bring fabric, notions, all the accoutrements that go with quilting, which includes a big um, metal cutting table that you um, use a rotary wheel on. She has sewing machines that she's taking with her, And she wanted to be able to be parked somewhere and use this for her hobby. So she had very specific needs for storage in this. It doesn't matter what your hobby is. A Class A motorhome is going to give you the space to take something like that on the road. If you were a chef and you really enjoyed cooking, you're going to have enough cabinet space to put your KitchenAid mixmaster in there and all of your pots and pans. Plus, you're going to have a really you know, beautiful kitchen in these things. So tons of storage in a class A below and above. Number three, it's a really, really comfortable ride. This is said over and over. So if you go on the chat rooms and you read about why people chose a class A over a class C, the thing that you will see mentioned over and over is that the Um, Class C is not as smooth a ride as the Class A. So something about the way the chassis on a bus is less bumpy. It's just a smoother ride. Most people will tell you that the Class C is little bumpier. So you get this comfortable ride and you can get up and walk around in a much easier way than you can in a Class C. In the Class C, you're down in the little ditch, so to speak, of the front cab and you're going to have to climb out of there into the back. In the Class A motorhome, you're all on the same level. You can get up, you can walk over, you can make a sandwich, get a drink. So you have that option. So number three, much more comfortable ride. Okay, number four, amenities. The amenities in Class A motorhomes now, are they're just unbelievable. I just watched a YouTube video on someone who did a video on remodeling the walk-in pantry in their Class A motorhome. Now this was not one of those million dollar ones, this was just a regular one that you and I could buy. She took the walk-in pantry all apart, put new cabinets in it, decorated it, put a cute little screen door on it. She really wanted that feel of like a farmhouse kitchen, and she was able to create that in her Class A motorhome. In addition to just walk-in pantries, these Class A motorhomes now have laundry rooms, washers and dryers in them, dishwashers in them, side-by-side home style refrigerators, like the double doors that open in a refrigerator, huge refrigerators, islands in the kitchen. I was just in one in an RV show, or actually when I was at General RV and I was walking around their lot looking at all the eye candy there. Stand-in showers. I mean, literally, it was bigger than my shower at home. So it was a stand-in shower with this uh, glass door in it. I mean, Really, the quality of these features, and they're just unbelievable. The furniture, the cabinetry, it's all very, very high-end. Definitely has that home feel. So if you are going to be on the road for a long time, or you were going to be full-timing in this thing, I don't know anyone who is going to travel who wants sub-quality from what they have at home. And you don't have to have that. I mean, you can have absolutely beautiful finishes in a trailer, in a motorhome rather, and all the amenities that you have at home. I mean, it's kind of hard to even imagine that you have washers and dryers and dishwashers. Uh, Usually there's only two people, but I almost get the washer and dryer, but a dishwasher in a a motorhome seems like crazy to me, (laughs) like two coffee cups, two plates, let's get a dishwasher. I don't know, but I mean, for people who live in them full time, you, you might want that. Okay, I want to move on to number five, which is that Class A motorhomes are very pet friendly. I really came to see this over time when so many of my friends really, really travel with dogs. And many of the women who write to me always say, well, I like this and I like this, but my dog is pretty big. And we tend to think that people who travel in RVs or travel trailers have teacup you know, Yorkies. Not everybody has a little pocket dog. People have their real dogs and they want to travel. And I love the idea that when you're in a class A, it is big enough that if you're gone all day, I don't know about you, but my dog just sleeps on the kitchen floor all day long. When I leave, the dog is on his mat on the kitchen floor. When I come home, he's on his mat in my bedroom. So He just moves from room to room napping all day long, and then he goes nuts when I come home. So I think it's the same for most people's dog. If you're going to be gone all day touring something, it's really a little peace of mind that you don't have to worry about the dog being stuck in a really, really small space. So your dog can take a nap on the bed, in the back of the trailer for a while, walk around, stretch, jump up on the couch, look out the window. I love all the space. The other thing that I think is kind of cool is that if you're traveling with your pets, you can really customize a motorhome like this to fit your pets. I've seen this done on a couple of sites. There was someone who did a Little hidden closet, so they use some space underneath their booth, and they hid the kitty litter under there. So the kitty litter is there all the time. They had a little trap door that the cat could go in and out of, and they customized it to make it the most comfortable for their pets. So you're not tripping over that kitty litter all the time. So I really think that a Class A motorhome is very, very pet friendly. Okay, number six. It's really a room with a view. And what I mean by that is the driving area. So that beautiful um, upfront part with those fantastic captain's chairs that swivel around also has a window that I think is the absolute equivalent of a... um, the the ship enterprise the view is absolutely spectacular when you're driving you can be on the road for a really really long time and why wouldn't you want the best possible view I remember coming home from Wyoming uh, uh, two summers ago when I was in Yellowstone and driving across um, South Dakota. And then we went through Southern Minnesota. And the two days that we were driving there were absolutely beautiful days. The weather was out of this world and the clouds were so pretty. And my friend Mary and I kept joking, I break for clouds. But Being able to see that, those wide open spaces, that window, it's like a big screen TV onto wherever you are. So that viewing area that you get in that upfront cab for driving, I don't know, it can't be beat. I don't know anything in the RV world that beats that driving window. It's absolutely beautiful. Okay, number seven, auto leveling. So I love that. Idea of auto leveling, and it is an option in travel trailers, in toy haulers, in um, some Class C's, but it's a standard feature in Class A motorhomes. These things are big, so the idea that you could just pull it in, do the things they tell you to do, whatever it is. I don't know. I don't know anything about uh, leveling a Class A but I do know this. It's the push of a button, so it does it all for you. What you have to do first, I don't know. I don't know whether you have to chalk the wheels on a a Class A motorhome, but it has an automatic leveling feature that makes it so easy to operate, and I just love that. Okay, number eight. Anytime you're going to get something that's big, everything, and it's going to be big. So you're going to get that big, wide-open living space. You're going to get, you know, the king-size bed in the back of your coach. You're going to get that stand-in shower and incredible closets, but you're also going to get much bigger tanks. So you're going to get a bigger gray water, uh, black water, and a freshwater tank, and you're going to get a much bigger gas tank. Now, obviously, it's going to use more gas, but you're still going to have that bigger tank. So I love the idea that with all those amenities that are big, you also get these practical things that are big. Having um, to dump less at the dump station, being able to keep more water in that tank, Look, it's two people using the trailer most of the time or the motorhome. So I've got two people in my max, and I've got a 30-gallon fresh water tank. But you've got two people using the same amount of water, ostensibly, and you've got a 60-gallon water tank. It's going to last you longer. So that's a great perk in a Class A motorhome. Okay, number nine. Class A's are more full season than the rest of the travel trailer world. When you look at uh, Class C motorhomes and you look at travel trailers, all the piping that you need to dump everything is exposed underneath the trailer. In a Class A motorhome, these things are all hidden and it's all heated under there. So you're not so worried about your pipes freezing as you are in a travel trailer. So I like the idea that you can use it more full season, but also when you're traveling um, and you're on maybe a back road or you're on even on the highway, if you hit something, like a piece of tire tread or something, and it smacks up underneath the trailer, on a travel trailer, that can actually break your wastewater pipes. In a Class A motorhome, those things are all self-contained and hidden. So your probability of something like that going wrong is going down a lot. All right, number 10, it still can tow something. So you have this giant motorhome, and it's got all these amenities in it. But let's just say you're going to um, park it someplace, and you're going to stay there for the whole season. But let's just say you're a fisherman or you're a golfer. And so maybe when you get where you're going, you're going to rent a car for the season. You still have the option of towing a boat with you or towing your golf cart behind you. Maybe you're going to park it in one of these fantastic um RV parks that people go to for the whole season and you're going to see all your friends and I'm down there and everybody's there and you got your own little golf cart that you're running around the campground with so you still have the option of towing something behind a class A. So that's my list of the pros of a class A motorhome. I'm going to be back in a second and we're going to talk about what's on my con list. Hang on we'll be right back. our Class A Motorhome pros and cons are the cons. So let's start with number one, the biggest con, and that is that its big size can be limiting. So with this big trailer comes some restrictions. One, you're not going to be able to park it anywhere you want. Um, There are just a limited number of spaces in many of the tourist sites. When we were in Yellowstone, The people who had these Class A's and were driving around, maybe you had a Class A and you just came into the park for the day. You weren't actually camping there and you were just day tripping it into the park. When you get to these small parking lots in the limited parking in a place like Yellowstone, you're just motoring around looking for a place to park. A lot of tourist places have limited parking. One of the places we stopped at when we went to, um, Yellowstone. And you'll see signs. And if you went there to the Corn Palace in South Dakota, when we got to the Corn Palace, there was a parking lot several blocks away. But there was not a whole lot of parking for really big motorhomes and things like that. And I've seen that. I saw that down in Texas in Fredericksburg. They had a um, CVB, the Convention and Visitors a Bureau there, which was really a great place. They had six or seven spots for Class C's or Class A motorhomes. So So you are going to be restricted in where you can park this thing. Now, even if you live in a neighborhood in which the HOA, the Homeowners Association, would allow parking of a trailer or a motorhome, and most of them consider a motorhome like a car. There's not as many restrictions on a motorhome, actually, as a travel trailer in some neighborhoods. Even if your HOA allows this, it doesn't mean your driveway is going to be long enough to park this thing. My driveway is not 45 feet long, and my neighbor up the street who has a giant, beautiful Class A motorhome actually ended up taking out a row of bushes and putting a gravel driveway next to his driveway that has to extend back 15 feet past his garage. That's what he needed to do to get that thing parked in there. So you're not going to be able to always park it in your home, even if the HOA allows it. Another parking problem, and it's really more than a parking problem, it's a camping problem, state and national parks sometimes have restrictions on the length of what kind of trailers you can park at a state or national park. So their campgrounds were designed many, many years ago, way before they had these big, giant trailers. And they don't really have the resources to go in and redo those parks in order to accommodate these big trailers. So there are some available spots in state and national parks, but you are going to have to really do your research. You're going to have to reserve way in advance to get those limited um, camping sites at those parks. The other thing that ends up happening with the size of this trailer is that the height and the width of these trailers as well limits you on some roads. So I know up in New York City, around where I live, there's a lot of really beautiful old parkways and small little highways. They don't have many shoulders and they have beautiful bridges and tunnels and these Class A motorhomes or fifth wheels, they would not be able to be taken on those roads. They're too high, they're too wide, the bridges are arched, they're all hand done out of stone many, many years ago. So you are going to be limited with the size of it or where you could park it and where you can camp with it and where you're able to drive it. Okay, number two in our con list is the maneuverability. Let's face it, it's a lot easier to tow around a little um, teardrop on a truck or a car or a little Subaru than it is to take one of these big motorhomes. So it's not easy to turn it around in some places. I saw a thing online the other day where a lady um, in one of the women's groups I belong to was talking about what what a, not harrowing, she was laughing about it. I mean, it's all manageable, but it wasn't funny at the time. But she went down a wrong road on her GPS, turned into a dirt road. And then she just kept driving and driving and driving, looking for a place to turn the thing around. And then she just decided that she better try to turn it around um, on that road. And that did not go well. Anyway, she was able to finally get herself out of it. But it's not easy to maneuver the thing. Um, it's not also that easy to move around in gas stations. So when you find a gas station, you've got to pull in. You want an end spot. I was in a couple of gas stations just now coming home from Atlanta, where I had a hard time with just my truck and my trailer. But you have to think about this. My truck and trailer together, even though I have a mini, is close to 40 feet So when you are in a um, garage or, I mean, a gas station situation, it's sort of the same things. You've got to be able to make sure that you can get out of whatever you pull into. Sometimes there's a row of parking spaces in front of the little gas station store and there's people parked there. You can really have a hard time getting out of there. So maneuverability is a problem. And I did see this on the way home from my trip too. I've seen it many times. Sometimes when people are coming home from a trip or or for whatever reason, a lot of times I will stay at a hotel if I'm at the tail end of a trip and I've just had it and I'm I'm driving really long hours because I want to get home. And I did this just on my way home from Atlanta. And when you get to a hotel parking lot, 930 or 10 o'clock at night, everybody's already checked in. Trying to find a place to park your truck and trailer at a hotel parking lot late at night is can be difficult. When I was coming home, I stayed in Withville, Virginia on my way home. And there were two big Class A motorhomes parked in that parking lot there. And they, they took all the available space. So there was no space for me. But obviously, they were taking up a ton of space. So maneuverability is a problem with the big uh, motorhomes. Okay, moving on to number three it's expensive. So they're expensive to buy. Let's just talk about the actual purchase price first. These things can range, and I'm talking about new. Obviously, when you go down the line, you could buy something used for much less. But mostly when you're at an RV show and you're looking at new models, the bottom end of this price range is like $80,000. And then it goes up to crazy numbers, a half a million and a million dollars. So When you compare the cost of a tow vehicle plus a trailer, you've got to think, combined, you could easily spend $80,000 on a tow vehicle. A Ford F-150 with all the gadgets on it costs close to $60,000, and that's before you put a trailer behind it. The difference is I can use that tow vehicle every single day. It's not a single-use item. Where you have a big Class A motorhome, it's a single-use item. You're using it only to travel in. So I'm using my truck every day here. So you've got to think about the cost comparison here and decide if you want to spend that much money and have that tied up in a single-use item. The other thing about the expense of this trailer is the expense associated with repairing them. So. Anything that has more moving parts to it, it's going to cost more to repair. More things can go wrong. You've got slide outs, you've got pumps, you've got multiple air conditioning units. The more moving parts, the more things that can go wrong and the more it's going to cost to repair the other thing about a big Class A motorhome and how technical they can be is it's going to require a higher level of technician to make those repairs. So normally when you go to a repair shop, it may be um, a repair cost of for the technician of say $85 an hour. By me, it's $65 an hour. The place I take mine to is $65 an hour. Um, most of them go up from there. $65, I've been told, is very reasonable. My guy 14 years ago, 12 years ago, when I started was 45. Now he's 65. I always complain to my husband about that. And my husband says, Oh, my gosh, that's reasonable. Because in his business, he's paying way more than that. So you're going to need a higher level of technician that may cost you even more per hour than what the standard going rate is. Okay, continuing on in the expense part of it, in addition to being more costly to buy, more costly to repair, they are also more costly to maintain and use. So, just the use of this. It's going to cost you more at a campground. It's gonna cost you more. You're gonna need a pull through site. You're probably gonna want full hookups with this thing. It's gonna need the 50 amps so the site itself is gonna cost you more. You're going to pay more in gas mileage to get this thing around than you would with other trailers. It's going to cost you more to insure it. If it was stolen, it would cost the insurance company more to pay you back for it. If it's damaged, it's going to cost the insurance company more to repair or replace it. So the cost to insure this is going to be more. Maintaining this, just tires. So when you have to go out and buy a tire, some of these things have six or eight tires on them. So just this is a little incident. Last week, my husband got a nail in the tire of his car. And it was just from we got a new roof on our house. And there was a nail in the driveway. And my husband drove over. It's between the treads on the tire on his um, car. Took it over to the dealership. The car is less than two months old. It's got less than 6,000 miles on it. The tires have less than 6,000. The dealership would not fix that tire, would not put a plug on it, even though it wasn't in the sidewall. And they wanted him to buy a new tire. And even though the tires only had 6,000 miles on them, they wanted him to replace both rear tires. They have a policy. They won't put a new tire on just one side of the car, even though the car is seven weeks old and has less than 6,000 miles on Well, you're going to run into this thing all the time. It's like a philosophy that is happening. You know, uh, it's just the way people conduct business. It's all, you know, to get you to reduce their liability, but also to get you to spend more money. Well, if you were replacing just the rear tires, you've got to replace two or four of them. And it's not just replacing of the tires. When you have a big coach like this, you want to maintain those tires. So you want to make sure all of those tires have wheel covers for them. So you don't need two covers. You need six or eight covers, not a single cover, but a double cover. So covering the trailer itself, covering the tires, all of that is going to cost more. And that is where you're going to want to ask yourself if what you're getting out of this motorhome, if everything we talked about in the pro list is going to be worth it for you. What is your return on investment going to be? Are these things more valuable to you, all those cons, than what these negatives are going to cost you? Okay, number four. Um you're still going to need a day use car you're still going to have to tow something or rent something or uber somewhere when you have a class a or any motor home anytime you want to go somewhere that's your ride so if you get to the campground you get all plugged in and you're not towing a car behind you and you want a gallon of milk or you want to go out to dinner You don't want to unplug the whole thing and take it somewhere. So you're going to have to decide, and this is, again, an additional expense. So you've got the cost of this trailer. Now you need a tow vehicle to go behind it. It's not just the tow vehicle in addition to having that tow vehicle. And not every car that people already own is towable. I just ran into this with one of the Girl Camper listeners. She bought a Class A motorhome. The car she already owns is not towable. They're not all towable. She had to buy a separate, inexpensive car that she could tow behind her Class A. So she had to purchase the Class A, Purchase the tow vehicle, but then also purchase the trailer dolly that had to be connected to the trailer, so you're still going to need a day use day use car you're still going to have to tow something behind you if you want to get around, even if you are going to go and park it some place for the whole winter long. Maybe you're going to want to rent a car sometimes you can rent a car in a location for months at a time. I did that when my truck broke down um, like 2 years ago and I was trying to figure out what I wanted. That truck broke down in October and I did not buy a new car until February, but It cost me like $67 a week to rent a car Monday through Friday. That was worth it to me so I could take my time looking for it. So if you are away somewhere, it might be cheaper for you to rent a car. But that is something you're going to have to keep in mind. This is not something that you jump in and run out and get a gallon of milk. Okay, number five, the resale. So resale is a little more difficult on the big Class A's uh, for the simple reason that the higher price of these things limits the number of buyers that are out there for you. So You know, if you're selling a used pop-up or you're selling a travel trailer for $15,000, your pool of people obviously is going to be much bigger that can afford that. If you're looking to sell a coach that you paid $250,000 for and you used for two or three years and now you're hoping to get one hundred and sixty dollars or one hundred and eighty dollars for it, you're really going to have to um, be aware that the number of people searching in that price range is going to be much smaller. I also feel that when I look at the RV resale pages, like RV trader and stuff, it just seems like there's a real saturation in the market of these really big coaches. So if you're trading it in because you're getting something different, that's a great deal because you can you can trade it to your dealership. You, know, you probably won't get as much for it, but you'll get it on the spot. They're basically purchasing it from you and applying it to your new purchase. But if you're getting out of the industry or you're going down to a travel trailer or something smaller, then you're going to have to wait and sell this thing outright or, or take a big hit on it in order to do it. Okay, number six, there is lots of stuff to learn. So, like I said before, the more moving parts, the more things that could go wrong, but it's also the more things that you have to learn all the ways. I mean, I literally have spent my whole summer uh, figuring out the solar system on my Mini Max and the heating and the air conditioning and all the systems on my mini trailer. So, take that and times it, you know, by. Um slide outs and how these slide outs need to be maintained in the solar and the batteries and the leveling jacks all these things need your attention that you need to command knowledge on these things so the more options you have on a trailer, the more it is you have to learn, which you know for some people <laughs> is fun. Really mechanical and techie people would love this kind of stuff. My best friend, Carol's husband, loves to figure out how things work. He gets the manuals. He likes to read manuals. I do not like to read manuals. I like people to show me how to work it. Now the plus side of this, because I don't want that to sound like a total negative, The great side of this thing now is the way we're able to use social media. A lot of times when I can't figure something out, I just go straight to YouTube and put it in there. And there's 10 of those nice techie people who were kind enough to do that for us and give us a little tutorial on it. So... It is more to learn, though. Many operating systems require much more knowledge than just a simple old trailer. If you think back to the days when we were growing up in our pop-ups and our little tiny shastas, we didn't need to know all this stuff. So with the cost of all of those luxuries comes this cost, too. So that is my list of the pros and cons of the Class A Motorhome. I have known several women now who made this purchase. They're doing fantastic with it. We're going to have one of those ladies on in the next couple of weeks, my friend JoLynn, who did all kinds of research, and she's going to come on the show, talk about why she chose this and how it's working out for her. So that is our show for today. I want to thank all of our sponsors, including Liberty Outdoors liberty is making trailers for every age of the rv adventurer's life they manufacture the highest quality trailers producing some of the most recognizable names in the industry their products are proudly made in the usa with best-in-class workmanship and customer support that's so great because it allows you to pick up get out, get going with the confidence that only that product can provide for you Liberty wants you to experience the journey with the peace of mind you've earned. To take a look at the Max trailer, which I have, or that Mini Max, which I'm going to be talking about next week because I just finished my last road trip in that Mini Max, and I'm going to tell you what is going to happen to the Girl Camper Mini Max now that I'm done using it. So I've got some kind of fun, exciting news about that next week. Liberty Outdoors, they're building something for every stage of the RVer's life, which one is for you head over to girlcamper.com scroll down to the bottom click on liberty outdoors thank you liberty for helping make girl camper dreams come true thank you Campco, bankston motor homes in alabama and tennessee Sensor's world of camping in huntington west virginia general rv with 12 locations throughout the country and tom's camperland with three locations in the greater phoenix area Thank you, Stephanie Paglisi, for producing this show for me. That is a wrap, everybody. Have a great week. Happy trails.